0: I didn't start loving myself by simply just like looking at myself. Like I don't wake up every single morning and be like, you are awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love everything about you, you know, but I, I feel like there has become a love for who God has made me to be simply by receiving his love for me and in his love for me, then I have loved myself.
1: She's a mother, daughter, friend, worship artist, dancer, Bible teacher, founder of the One He Loves ministry, speaker, and author of the upcoming book, Daughter, Becoming Who You Already Are, launching February 6th. Go get it, friends. We have the beautiful Lainey Renee with on us today. I pray this blesses you. I believe God put a specific light in your heart for a purpose, for you to shine it into this world in a way that nobody else can, a light that is unique as the print on your finger. And our job is to take that light and go love people with it in this world. Everywhere you go, you have a ministry. You don't just have to be a preacher to have a ministry. Your light is your ministry. It's how you shine it at your job, at your family, at the dinner table with your friends, at the movies, at the park, at your apartment. Everywhere you go, you are made to shine your light. Do it. Be it. Love people. Be kind. Honor them. Honor yourself. This is made to shine. Welcome back to another episode of the Made to Shine show. As you just heard in that introduction, we are in for such a stinking treat today. I have someone on that I just have been watching on Instagram and watching her YouTube videos for so long from afar. And she's such a light. She's doing so many things. She's about to have a new book come out. We have the beautiful Lainey Rain on with us today. <laughs> Lainey, thank you for being
0: on. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Excited. I'm so (laughs)
1: excited to have you. And, you know, as we were talking about before this, the mission of Made to Shine is to remind every single person they have a ministry. It's not just Mm -hmm. for preachers and pastors. It's the way you live your life and shine your light in all spaces that God has trusted you with. And why I wanted you on is because I've seen you do that from afar, not just with, you know, of course, you're like, you're on Instagram, you're doing all these things, and you're about to publish this new book, and you're a singer, but you're also a mom, and you're also a daughter, which we'll get into, (laughs) but you're also a friend. And I think we forget that, like ministries and all of that too. It's not just on a stage in public. It's like, it's in the behind the scenes moments that you shine your light and shine the love of Jesus. And so I'm excited to dive in today. And before we do, we've got to kick this off with the way we kick off every single Made to Shine show, which is what is your favorite quote and why?
0: Ooh, favorite quote. Gosh, I feel like my quotes change all the time. And I'll say I don't have a lot of extra time in life. So most of my quotes are going to come from the Bible and from my time. Uh, That should come from. Reading the Bible. Um, You know, what comes to mind right now is just something that really has carried me in a lot of different seasons. And I can't even remember exactly what the reference is right now, but there's a scripture that talks about in Proverbs, it's better to wait for an invitation to the head table than to be sent away in public disgrace. And when I read that as honestly a young girl um, who had a lot of dreams and desires, um, it's obviously something that I haven't forgotten. It's something that I really felt like God like hid in my heart. And Um, Basically, like I just read that and take it as, you know, God is so good and he's so faithful. And if he, it's better to wait for his invitation into something than to push yourself into a place that you weren't brought into by him. Um, And I think a lot of, you know, just culture and pressure can make us feel like we need to like push our way to the top, you know, and and sometimes that even looks like not being the best friend or, you know, just not treating people with the true love and honor and respect that, you know, God has for them, but really just trusting God's heart for you that, you know, he will invite you to the head table, whatever the head table looks like in your life, whatever it is that, um. That maybe you're believing for or desiring or a dream of yours, you know, something maybe God really has put on your heart or something you're not really sure. It's better to just wait for him to make a way for him to invite you in to open that door um, than to push your way there uh, in a way that is not full of uh, his love and his grace.
1: I love that. I think it translates so well, too, into the idea of, like, this art of becoming. And I know your book, Daughters, like Becoming Who You Already Are, there's that word becoming really struck me because... I think when we become in this world, we we put on almost like these layers of clothing based in our, our job or what other people say about us or our yeah. boyfriend or our friend, friends or how our body looks that day. And it's like, we become in this trajectory that's based on all of this superficial or places that we've kind of forced ourselves into because we think that's yeah. how we should look or act or whatever have you. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about your subtitle, Becoming Who You Already Are, like, it kind of indicates, I once heard it put, becoming who you're meant to be is less about becoming somebody and unbecoming everything you weren't. And yes. that's what I thought about when I started yes. the subtitle. And so yeah. talking about, like, describe to me how you would describe who you already are right now and the journey with God that kind of got you to this unbecoming to come back to that.
0: Yeah. First, I just want to say it's so funny that you point that out because I would read when I was trying to figure out my subtitle, I read it over and over again. And I was like, am I contradicting myself? Like, this is who you already are, but this is who you're becoming. And I really did feel like God said, no, like it's both. And I was like, well, but is it realizing or, you know, and then if you look up even just like becoming, and the root being be a lot of it, it really references like something you want to be, you know, It it's realizing is like, Oh, I realized that. But becoming in you know, as a woman, we're always like, there's always something we kind of want to become, you know, yeah. like you're saying. Yeah. Um, but the already are is like, No, we're, we're actually just trying to get back to who we already are. And like you said, that's been I think my life and why I wrote this book is that I've seen that over and over again in different seasons of my life. I step into a new season, but truthfully, the learning is always, man, (laughs) I just really need to remember what I already knew. And that is the simplicity of who I am. Um, And for me, like those, like that journey started when I was a little girl. Like I remember when I was just five years old, um, my family went to this church and there was a Christmas play, which is very common at church. you know there's always you know a Christmas play, and my best friend um got the part of the little girl, and we both auditioned and when she got the part, I wasn't like sad that she got the part. I just remember thinking they didn't choose you like. That was the, that was what I took away was that I wasn't chosen. And I think those lies like started when I was little and I didn't even know that they were actually happening. Um, But it was, it was happening as a, as a tiny little girl, the enemy was already out for who I believed I was. And then that continued into middle school, you know, 14 years old, 15 years old. I really, really struggled with how I saw myself. And um, really, I just saw myself in a mirror, and the mirror was not telling me the truth. And I was so consumed with how I looked and, you know, how I ate and what honestly, what I didn't eat. I got into eating disorder in that season of my life. And really just couldn't see clearly what was true about who I was and then later you know I got into a relationship that was very toxic and unhealthy for me for about 4 years and it was like I always knew what was true I always I grew up in an incredible home I had have incredible parents christian parents generations of christians you know ahead of me that have taught me what is true But the enemy was still out for that in my life. And I think that's the case for about all of us, like really all of us, Um, because it's the very thing that gives us everything. You know, Jesus sacrificed his life for us so that we could take his, you know, the only way we truly have access to a new life is by receiving that, receiving that identity as a son and as a daughter. And so, of course, that's the very thing that um, the enemy continues to come after in our lives. And, you know, I've seen that in people around me, you know, women around me, mentors, my mom, my grandma. Like, they were like, this is something that we never stop learning. We never grow out of just simply needing to be reminded of the simple truth about who we are as a daughter and who our father is.
1: That's so good. It's so true. It's funny you, um, we have a lot of overlapping similarities in our stories. And so Chosen, I actually, I have a tattoo of Chosen. I love
0: that. I love that.
1: growing up. And it's so funny, the more women I speak to, I, the other day I was talking to somebody and she was just like, Annie, I don't know how to explain it. I just, people don't choose me. Like guys never choose me. Jobs never wow. choose me. And I can relate to that so much of like that feeling mm-hmm. of not being chosen. And I'm curious, like going back to that version of Laney where you first experienced that feeling of not being chosen. Is it a, is it a gradual progression to that disconnect of, like you said, you knew you were a child of God, similar story to me. I had parents that modeled amazing faith to me and I got into an eating disorder as well. And like, Mm -hmm. it's crazy because looking back, I'm like, I knew God yet Mm -hmm. there was just this gap between the knowing Mm -hmm. and the feeling. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious where that was for you, that gradual or did that happen all at once?
0: Yeah. Um I think it was gradual. I think, you know, just like now. I still need the reminders and there are days where weeks can like weeks can go by and I can have a moment where I'm like, "Whoa, I have been replaying this cycle of lies in my head for 2 weeks and I'm just now realizing it." you know and what gets me back it's the simple truth of who i am and that he loves me and he has chosen me and i love that you have that tattooed on your arm um it reminded me of uh something in the book that i talk about and i can't i'd have to go back and actually read the book to remember the actual hebrew word but um when you read Jeremiah 29 11, uh, I kind of do like a little dive in study of that uh, verse because I studied the original Hebrew and God really used it in my life. And we can get to that at some point. But the word that is translated um, into chosen, um, sorry, the word that is used there as no. Uh the original Hebrew word means God's complete knowledge of creation and it also has the meaning of chosen. And it's wow. it's really really cool. Like you'll you'll have to go look it up because when I read it my my mind was truly blown, but it was like that scripture that talks about for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans to prosper you not to harm you. That word no literally means his his total knowledge of you his total knowledge of creation and also has a meaning of chosen and it was just cool that i'm like god you know everything you know everything about me you know all my flaws all my insecurities you know what i think about all day long but at the same time you're declaring your full knowledge of me you've declared that you've chosen me and um that, sorry, I can't even remember exactly what question you asked, but when I saw no, that on your arm, I was like, I feel I, like I need I, to share that so much. Cause I, <laughs> I want to I speak to
1: also, I think there's, and I've struggled with this before. Like I know God is good. I know God loves me. I know he yeah. sees me completely and continues to love me and will choose me, but I struggle with choosing me and I struggle yeah. with loving me. And I struggle with Annie Mayfield loving Annie Mayfield, and I'm curious, like how is your relationship? I think a lot of people struggle with that. It's like they have no problem accepting that God is good and God loves them, but they really are mm-hmm. challenged by accepting themselves and loving themselves, yeah, and so talk to me about like this this definition you've curated with daughter, what does it mean to be a daughter that knows she's loved by God but also looks at herself as as that as a daughter of God,
0: yeah. I mean, just speaking to, to loving myself, even I would say like, I, I didn't start loving myself by simply just like looking at myself. Like I don't wake up every single morning and be like, you are awesome. (laughs) Like (laughs) I love everything about you, you know, but I, I feel like there has become a love for who God has made me to be. Simply by receiving his love for me and in his love for me, then I have loved myself, if that makes sense. Um, and I would say I can even see that. Yeah, I talk about this a little bit in the book, you know, but I struggled, went through a, a, that hard relationship and really um, got really confused in that season. About who I was and had a lot of insecurity and did not love myself, was not receiving god's love for me, and I remember thinking like, you know is it always going to be this way where a relationship um feels like a different love, like I have love from a man, but then god but then there's God's love, you know, and like they were like two different things, and when I met my husband, I was like for the first time, I don't feel like love is divided. I actually feel like the love that I'm receiving from you is the love, the true love that I've known my entire life. And I think that kind of can go back to what it is to really like love ourselves because, you know, like I said, it's not a I wake, I woke up and I didn't have any insecurities. You know, I didn't wake up and something about my life dramatically changed one day. But I do think I woke up. I I remember a season of saying, God, wake me up to who you are. I, it's not, it's not hitting. It's not computing. It's not truly like registering with my heart. Wake me up to who you are and who I am. And his love became so real in my life that i really don't not saying i don't like um not saying i don't think i'm beautiful like i don't i don't think negatively about myself but i'm really not concerned or consumed with it i am his love is so much deeper than that and that was another reason that I really had on my heart to write this book was because I grew up hearing I was a daughter of the king. I grew up hearing these things, but it really didn't click for me until like early like early 20s, you know, and I spent my whole life as a believer in Jesus. And all of a sudden there was a waking up to holy smokes, I get to be your daughter. Like what, what an honor and what a gift. And also show me what that means. Um, And I remember reading, like there's a scripture in Psalm 145 that talks about there's no end to the discovery of greatness that surrounds him. And when I read that too, I was just like, I kind of feel like I can write daughter one, daughter two, daughter three, because it's not, it's really not about me, even though God makes it about us, you know, he made it about us when he sent his son, but it really is about who God is and that love of a father. And there really being no end to the discovery of that. And yeah, when you're consumed by that, you're really, I do believe the concerns and the weight and the anxiety, even pressure about who we are just falls away.
1: I love that word consumed because I think that you're always consumed by something, right? Like yeah. you live in a world that's always, you're always following something. It's not like you're either following yeah. Jesus or not. Like in this world, you're following something at yes. every single point of, you know, you're you're serving some master at every single point. And I think about the world we live in right now with girls. Or, and guys too, but just young people, we're obsessed with the idea of calling. Like, we're consumed by how even well intentioned Christians, like, we want God to use us and we want to be, (laughs) you know, to be used by God. And we have this idea of what that looks like. And I think what's so powerful is with your definition of daughter, it really talks about like having that relationship first. So, talk Mm -hmm. to me about the importance of. Identifying yourself as a daughter first, and like how calling or anything else worth yeah. being consumed by, like it's it comes in the overflow of that first consumption with God Himself.
0: Yes, I and I would add to even just starting. I want you to know, I never thought I would write a book. I never thought I would sing songs. I never really? that like that was really like not my goal. Um, if you would have asked me, especially when I was like eighteen about writing a book, I definitely would have said, heck no, I will not write a book. Um, Even singing? Huh? Would you say? singing? Even singing. I didn't sing in front of people until I turned 20. And that was the year I was like, okay, I'm not going to be afraid. You know, I'm not going to let fear of failure keep me. But I also just didn't, um, I didn't like think I would be like doing this um, in this way if that makes sense. Um, I didn't pursue it. It just, like you said, um, I felt like God kind of just started opening doors to do it in this way, but it was my life, um, before that. And some of my greatest moments, really my, my greatest moments of ministry, you know, people don't See and the things that often I even remember are in hidden places, you know, they're not in front of everyone. Like, even as a mom, you know, I was thinking the other day, being a mom is something you do all day long and you are serving your child, but nobody's seeing it. It is, it is the thing that, like, and you don't have. Until years later, when your child is grown up, uh, which I don't have that yet, you know, you don't have anything to show. You're just like, okay, another another poopy diaper, another, you know, it just you're and you're just pouring yourself out. Well, that's my ministry. I'm loving on my girl. I'm showing her the relentless love of God for her. You know, and one day I believe she will look at her mom and go, wow, mom, you laid down your life for me. You know, like you love me that much that you, you know, chose to spend your day, you know, serving me in so many ways. And um, yeah, I it just, it, ministry can be can be anything. It, it can be anytime, anywhere. I, uh, my best friend has impacted my life so much. And when we lived together, she would um, just invite people over and make a box of pancake, like get a box of pancake mix out and just start making pancakes. And sometimes our house was a mess. And I remember that just kind of demolishing just some like things that I didn't realize I had in my mind of how it had to be and you had to have the perfect table set and, you know, just a picture perfect, you know, moment instead of like, man, people just want to be invited. Like what an honor. How much does it mean to you? Even if you can't go to that party or that event, when somebody just invites you, you know, an invitation is so um, attractive and appealing in honoring and mm-hmm. so I think we can do that even with just like inviting people to our home or to just God's love for them. It's so, it can be so simple.
1: I love that. I, simple. My favorite catchphrase is kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Yes. Yes. Such a ridiculous world. Yes. That, that is a good. Everything. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, I think that I like agree. the enemy can't stop you, he's going to try to distract you or he's going to try to make it seem like it has to be so complicated. You don't actually do anything, you know? Yes, and, uh, I like,
0: agree. Yeah. Or that that was like, oh, no, I was just going to say that was like, that's what I thought. Like I would never host anything at my house because um, I just like, Wanted, I wouldn't do it because I had all these reasons that it wasn't perfect, you know, or that I didn't have. I don't know how to cook that great. So what am I gonna make? You know, like shoot, just grab a box of pancakes and whip up some pancakes, and play some music, have some fun. Like you don't even have to prepare some crazy moment, but just invite God into your house. You know, and I think I think the simpler you make things whether it's
1: ministry or I remember I started this podcast on my closet floor three and a half years ago. Like with wow, my iPhone I love that recording in my like basement. But um that's awesome. the simpler it is, the more room for the spirit to do the heavy lifting. You know, yeah. it's like that's yeah. kind of my philosophy. It's like if I'm trying to do all the bells and whistles, where does that leave room for God to move in this? And so I, I think if you can just like cut out like i call it what are your non-negotiables figure out your (laughs) non-negotiables for everything have them done and have the faith to let god take care of the rest and what i love about that though is there is this aspect of courage involved i mean one of my um intentions this year instead of doing like new year's goals i wrote down who i wanted to be this year and one of this catchphrases i got from um Lisa Harper on her Back Porch Theology podcast, which was, I want to be someone who exudes invitation. Just wherever I am, I want to exude invitation. And there's a part of that, though, that requires courage, because if you invite someone you could get rejected and you could get tor- told no i even think about inviting in opportunities that you're mm-hmm. too, you don't feel good enough for or you're scared and yeah. one of the things you wrote about in this in your book which i thought was so good was about insecurity and how yeah. there's a difference between how the bible defines confidence and how the world defines confidence and so talk yeah. to us through that because i think that's so important as we think about Being people that exude invitation and keeping it simple in the process, having the courage and the confidence to do so.
0: Yeah, you know, I think we look at ourselves for confidence. Like we 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 define confidence by looking in the mirror and going, "Wow, I look good, feel good, smell good, awesome, I'm great." Um, But that's not how you know God defines confidence. And um, I actually remember in. that season of probably the most insecurity of my entire life, reading Proverbs 14, 26, and it says, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. And when I read that, what got my attention was the confidence part was like, I was like, man, I really need that confidence. That's what I'm going for. I need that. But really what happened was I was so broken and so insecure and so confused about life that I really needed a refuge. And when I found God and saw God as my refuge and hid myself in Him, He became my confidence. And the confidence just came as a fruit of Him being my refuge. And, you know, I think oftentimes we we, we want so badly that peace. We want just the confidence or, you know, just the boldness or, you know, just we just want to feel that. But really, when we just pursue that, it's we can't find it. Like if you're just pursuing confidence, it's really hard to find it when you're just trying to gain it. But when you go to God, when you look to him, when you truly do see him and find him as your refuge, that confidence just comes. It it just kind of happens naturally. And all of a sudden, like I said earlier, you really don't even care that much, you know, like you wear stuff to the grocery store that you would have never worn last year because you were too worried about what everybody thought. Now you're just like, let's just go to the grocery store. You got your pajamas on. All right, let's go. Who cares? You never know what conversation your pajamas are going to spark. You know, you never know what girl is going to see you, you know, getting your groceries and be like, wow, she felt that confident to come to the store wearing that. That's awesome. You know, like, That true confidence is contagious. You know, people start picking it up and want to be around it. And it's really just the confidence that comes from knowing who God is, you know? Yeah. Okay. So, one of
1: my (laughs) best friends, this is so funny how (laughs) Um, I, the last company that I worked for, our offices were right next to each other. And uh, we both were in tech sales. And she was wearing this dress that in hindsight she said she wasn't going to wear it that day because she thought it was too blue but we were walking in the same direction and i was like that dress is beautiful <laughs> I, I tell her and so i went up and i told her and then we we literally just like parted ways and she found me on instagram later one of my best friends now we do a bible that's study amazing I, that's see that's what,
0: exactly yeah. You and, never uh, know. You never Whereas you never can walk grow. into the grocery store and looking and fly and feel really insecure. You're not gonna spark any conversations, you know? Yes. Like and what it's, fun it's is that? Like
1: honoring um, you know, if you don't show up as who God made you to be, you're not going to attract the people he meant for you to be in community with. You know what I yeah. mean? So it's like when you act like somebody that you're not, you're going to attract people that are attracted to a version of you. That's not you. Yes. And logically this makes sense. But when we're in the moment, it's so hard. And mm-hmm. I mean, my question for you there is is that still is it like a one time thing you read <laughs> proverbs 1426 and now you're easy peasy lemon squeezy never caring about it or
0: like
1: no <laughs> that's
0: that's why the book is called becoming because I yeah. can read the book over and over again and still receive truth from it because we don't you don't grow out of this like you you may be in high school, college, you know, right now, but guess what? One day when you step out of that season, you're probably likely going to ask some very similar questions to what you're asking right now. And they all kind of lead back to, Who am I? You know, what's my purpose? And oftentimes when we don't feel like we have a purpose in a season, that's what leads us to ask that question. And it doesn't always sound like, you know, those three words, oftentimes it does sound just like doubt and insecurity. And it could be scrolling through social media, you know, you see somebody else and you're like, shoot, like, I need to go to the gym, you know, like, oh, man, I need to get a new outfit, like those external things that you know, make us feel better about ourselves, which is awesome to enjoy, but they can't truly give us real confidence. And so we live in this world, you know, I always say like the world isn't reminding us who we are. You know, we're way more being reminded who we're not than who we are. And so it's not a one-time thing. You know, I read that scripture. I go back to it often, but man, do I have moments um in my days right now even in this season where i'm like god i need you to remind me again who i am to you because that is what's going to carry me through this day yeah. and i have many days like that i have days right now where i'm you know working a lot and um also full time mom and i'm tired my mind gets tired and when our minds are tired i think that's an easy time for The enemy to come and really just do some damage. And it's in those moments, I think, when we are weak and tired, that we have to go back to, you know, the simple truth of who we are and who he is. And so I will get my Bible out. I'll read the same scripture over and over again until I'm like, okay, I finally feel like I'm grasping what that's saying, or I finally feel like that, like, touched my heart, you know, and and I'll hold on to it. Right now, something I'm holding on to is um Psalm twenty-seven, thirteen. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And um I've I've just being totally honest, I've dealt with a lot of fear in this season. And that's another area where I feel like I have to go back to reminding myself who I am and whose I am because it's easy for me to forget even now and to start becoming really fearful um, about what's ahead. Just because you learn it in one season doesn't mean like, I think God gives you those as gifts to where you can go back and look at his faithfulness. And so I often do that. I'm like, God, you were faithful. Then you will be faithful now. But honestly, I'm a little scared. or I'm a little fearful and um, or a lot sometimes, you know. Um, So it's a continual thing. It's a continual realizing, reminding, becoming um, who you already are.
1: I love that. And I
0: I love your vulnerability there,
1: because I know for me, um, when I've gone through times in my life that have just been very fear ridden, like a lot of unknowns, yeah. a lot of questions. Um, there's a part of me that almost feels guilt when I, when I'm sad and when I'm questioning, mm. cause I'm like, I'm yeah. a daughter of God. I know I can rejoice in the Lord and like, I should be happy and I should, but, but I'm sad right now. And I think sometimes <laughs> people are afraid to bring God with their honestly feeling, but it's like remember who you're talking to. You're talking to Jehovah Jireh, to Jehovah Rapha, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're talking to the God that created emotions. So you can trust the fact that he can handle your anger. He can handle your questions. He can handle your sadness. And um, my brain, this is how my brain always works, but like (laughs) the cost of inaction, right? Like I'm thinking about the young girl's or maybe the one or two guys listening to this, it's mostly girls, Um, maybe some of their boyfriends, but listening to this (laughs) and thinking like, okay, that's great. I believe in God though. I talk to God, we're good. But it's like going back to what we were first talking about, about that gap between like, you know, God is your father, but then actually feeling it in your heart so that it leads to like this more peaceful way of life. What's, What's the cost of not addressing that gap? Like, what would life look like had you not fixed that gap or closed that gap, so to speak, and are now walking in the light that you are?
0: Yeah, I think the cost, honestly, was really just my peace. Like, um, in those four years, you're relating to the relationship I was in. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I can look back and go, I just didn't have peace during that. And that your peace is a lot, you know, like if you're going through every day without peace, that is a mental prison, you know, it's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And I can remember very vivid, you know, very vivid memories of me literally sitting in my closet and just being like, God, what, like, get me out of this. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how. And like, saying I would rather be in prison than, than what I'm in right now in my mind. Like it was so consuming. Um, the cost was my peace. I will say God is so faithful and he's a redeemer that the cost was not my future, um, yeah. or, um, that, you know, I missed what God had for me. Uh, I think a lot of people Deal with that when they've made decisions that they wish they wouldn't have, you know. But with God, there is always—I have seen that over and over again. There is always room and always redemption um, to come, whatever it looks like. And you can't mess up God's plans for your life. Um, I used to think that, you know, God's plans for my life were like set in, you know, a stone tablet, and like every day of my life was. Um, like he, he wrote down like wherever, wherever I was going to go and all that, but I don't believe that anymore. Um, I believe that his plans are, are for our good, you know, they're plans to prosper us, not to harm us plans, to give us a hope and a future. And they're, um they're not based on like time. They're just, they're really just made up of his heart and his goodness towards us. And so we get free will and options, you know, but God does lead us um, in that also by his peace. And um, in that season, I really sacrificed my peace. But when I let go of that, I had peace all over again and joy and God has Completely redeemed and made better than before. Um, everything that I walk through, and so, um, man, the co- the cost, the the redemption, and the joy, and the love, and His faithfulness is so much greater than the cost. Honestly,
1: that's so beautiful. And um, and I know we're we're coming up on time here. I want to round out by asking you: you have a daughter. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, like your definition of daughter, you just wrote a book called daughter, right? So having your own daughter and your relationship with her, how has that most influenced how you see yourself as a daughter to God in that relationship? Yeah,
0: I think my, my, how proud I am of her, you know, like it Mm -hmm. being her mom has been the most tangible reminder for me of that. God's love for me isn't based on my performance. You know, it's not based on what I do or how much I can please him or prove myself or achieve or perform, whatever. It's, it's simply like, he just loves me for who I am because I love my daughter simply because she's my daughter. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> of course, I want her to know God's love for her. That's the most important you know, thing and goal for me as her mom is to make sure she knows how much he loves her. But outside of that, I don't, I don't have plans for her. I don't have plans that I um, hope she will do one day. I just, I'm just proud of her because of who she is. And just realizing that and knowing like really believe that that good heart in me is only from God and how much more could his heart be like that towards me as his daughter, that he, he, he's not concerned about how much I achieve or succeed in life, but he really is just proud of me because I'm his. Um, So, yeah, I mean, being a mom has taught me so much, but that would probably be the greatest thing that I've learned so far.
1: I love that because we were talking before this, um, one of my favorite songs, which reminds me of your ministry, the one he loves, but the one you love by Maverick city, it says like, I know you're proud of me, even though I don't deserve it sometimes. And I used to cry when I first started listening to that song at that line, because I think in my mind, I was like pride in the Bible is looked at this awful thing. And I think I started (laughs) associating that as like, God is not proud of I can't be proud of myself. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it made me feel, um, I mean, so unlike what you just described as this beautiful Mm -hmm. father that just, or parent figure that just loved you for just being nothing you can do for him, you know? And, um, and I love that so much. And I wanted to, to ask you like, a lot of the influence right now, you're coming out with this book, et cetera, but you also have this awesome ministry going on. So talk mm-hmm. to us about the one he loves and what kind of inspired that and, and what's going on with that right now.
0: Yeah. um, We started a little over a year and a half ago. And again, one of those things that I didn't really... I will say, I feel like it's something I saw for a long time, but couldn't really put words to. So I never really set out to like start a ministry, but it just kind of happened. And I I really believe that um, God had been giving me vision for it, even before I realized he was giving me vision. But we walked through a miscarriage with our little boy. Um, his name is Rory, and I was 17 weeks along. And um, right before... I miscarried with him. I was just kind of going through this season where I felt God's love just in his presence so tangible. I remember walking out of my mom's house one day and just like crying. And I was trying to like hide my face that I was crying. And I turned around and she's like, What's wrong? And I was just like, Mom, nothing is wrong. I just, I feel him so close. And I know it's not just for me. Like, I really believe that I'm going to share his love with people. And I was already doing that in a way, but I just felt like God was doing a new thing in my heart. And a month after that, we found out um, that we were pregnant. And then a few months later, we found out we had miscarried. And um, in that season of just walking through heartache and loss, um, grief, and also just the most joy also I had ever experienced, like just discovering and seeing God, um, in a whole new way. I had a lot of women share their stories with me of what they had walked through. And, um, a lot of them ended with, you know, there's, there's no hope. It never gets better. And I just felt like my, my heart just broke, honestly. And I just felt hope like rising up within me. And, um, just wanted to remind women that they truly don't have to live broken. And there's a scripture in Second Corinthians four eight, and it talks about we are hard pressed but not crushed, we are perplexed but not in despair. And when I read despair, if you look it up it, in go- like Google or you know the definition, it means literally without hope. And I just felt like God was saying like you need to remind, remind women that there is always hope. And I am their hope. And so we opened a coffee shop or we did not, not our coffee shop, but we reserved like a space at a coffee shop one day and just started inviting women. And our mission simply was just to, you know, show them how much God loved them. And we wrote cards for them. And, um, we shared testimonies of just God's faithfulness and had a time of worship and just let, you know, women just be together and be encouraged. And after that, I was like, oh, my gosh, we have to do this again. And so it's continued to just kind of grow into a new way. Like, I feel like each one has been really different. Um, but uh, it's been a place where we've had young girls and girls who bring their moms, and girls bring their grandmas, Yay! like all generations. We had an 83-year-old woman come to our very first one. And I felt like God was like, this is like, I'm giving you vision. You know, this is what it's to look like. All ages of women simply just coming to be refreshed, encouraged, and reminded of who he is. So we do events in different cities and um, all kinds of stuff now. So (laughs) I love
1: that because we're all daughters, no matter if you're eight or 83, like we're yes. all daughters of the king. Yep. That doesn't change. And I think the fact that you're able to speak to so many people of so many different ages, it means you're speaking to the heart. And the heart, mm-hmm. I always say, like, I think a lot of insecurities that plague an eight-year-old are the ones that plague the 68-year-old. Yes. It's always, like they just agreed. and so i think that's so beautiful how can people find you when does the book (laughs) come out
0: how can they come to these awesome events yes um they can find me on instagram i'm hey laney renee and on uh for the book you can go to daughterbylaney.com to get the book and it comes out february 6th Um, but you can already pre-order if you want to do that um but yeah, and I'm on YouTube as well. Just Lainey Renee.
1: <laughs> Lainey, thank you so much for pouring into audience today. I'm so excited for you. I'm just on fire for what you're doing and how you're impacting, especially young girls, just this message of, of daughter. I think it's so needed, um, in, in our day and age of comparison and, and even just like striving, just wanting to be used by Mm -hmm. God and like before being in relationship with him. And, um, Mm -hmm. so I'm just grateful that you have a heart that's, addressing the things that need to, and in a way that's of love and compassion. And so thank you for all you're doing. And the Made to Shine fam is cheering you on.
0: Thank you. Cheering you on as well. I love this. It's amazing.
1: Hey, beautiful people. I hope this episode blessed you. Two quick things before you tune me out. One, if this podcast means anything to you, if you find value from it, I really am asking you to leave a review. It helps me out a ton. It also helps get this word out to anybody else. God wants it to be put on their heart. Second thing is if you're ever like me and don't have a full hour or 40 minutes to designate to a full podcast episode, I have a brand new podcast for you. It's the baby podcast of this parent podcast, Made to Shine. It's called Made to Shine Minute. It is literally 60 seconds every single morning Of an idea, a nugget put on my heart, what have you. I hope it blesses you. You can find it everywhere you look for podcasts.